Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Although I am getting to a point where like with with the wine specifically, and I probably am the same way with beer now too, where it's like, I don't need to be trying all this shit I know I don't like. So um, just give me the give me the Pinot or the Cab or the Rosé and miss me with the rest of the Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Matt Harmon. Join excited to be joined by my fellow stat nerd Dalton Del Don. Dalton, how's it going, man? Going well. My Warriors are up three to two. Uh, it's close, tough finals here. I'm sure you've been watching every minute. Uh, but oh, uh, yeah, let's talk, let's talk to, <laughs> this is a, this should be a fun one. Mistakes we made last year. So uh, yeah, they're endless. Uh, a nice uh, topic for me because I made I made plenty of them uh, last year talking fantasy football. So uh, how how you doing, Matt? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, no, things are good. We have a wedding coming up here in the next couple of days. I am already uh where you can't see uh here on the on the zoom i am already wearing my vacation short shorts so uh <laughs> i'm ready to rock i'm ready to party but before all that we do have to talk about the mistakes like you mentioned i do i always really like these podcasts because it's fun to kind of unpack this stuff and hopefully learn a little bit i tried to kind of center some of mine about like all right here's where i screwed up but also here's how you people out there besides just dunking on me which is fun it, we don't care if you dunk on us that's fine we're we're, we're secure in ourselves but here's how you can maybe actually learn something from it so that's going to be a great conversation but before we do that we have to hit a couple of news items here number one i don't know that i have a take on this i do have a take on it but not a lion centric take i'll let you react to it first the lions announced that they were signing Devin Funchess, but they're moving him to tight end. I mean, there was actually a lot of talk about Devin Funchess when he came out that he should move to tight end because he was this giant receiver with decent fluidity. Um, does this move the, move the needle for you at all here, uh, Devin Funches signing with the Lions? Not even a little, but you're the receiver guy. I'm curious your take. My, my only, if you want any take whatsoever, is sticking with the Lions is I've recently moved DeAndre Swift up to my running back number six. Uh, he's the guy that I'm warming up to that I want if I'm going to take a running back early. But that's all I got here. I mean, what's what's the Funches take? No, the, fun, the Funches take is just like, this was one of those things where I definitely know that I've uh, changed a lot in the last like four years because I 100% would have fired this off on Twitter like four years ago but now I'm like who cares like who gives a shit? nobody nobody needs me to like revisit this history but it still grinds my gears and I'll say it on the podcast not on Twitter it, it does still grind my gears that freaking Dave Gettleman drafts 
his logic to fixing Cam Newton's accuracy issues was <laughs> let me draft big receivers because Cam Newton often misses high. Let's not get guys who can get open. So they draft Kelvin Benjamin in round one in 2014 and then Devin Funchess in round two in 2015. Two prospects that were pro- never going to, I mean, they had their moments in the NFL, but were never going to legit be true number one receivers. Both these guys have finished their careers now with a, a headline like this, like they've moved to tight end. I'll just, I'll never let that go. That the, like the prime years of Cam Newton's career were wasted throwing to guys like Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin, who could never get open and have now, again, finished their careers moving to tight end. I'll never, I'll, as like a Cam Newton guy, I'll never let that go. Yeah, make no sense. But good luck to Funches fighting for targets uh, against yeah. Hawkinson, ARSB, Shark, Jamison Williams, Swift. I mean, I, quietly, the Lions are compiling uh, some nice, nice pass catchers. Yeah, I actually think we should talk about DeAndre Swift later because he's a guy I I was low on last year and I, I didn't put it on the outline, but I'm going to add it in here as we go. Something a little more fun and probably more noteworthy to the 2022 season. Uh, Mike McCarthy spoke with the media this week and said that while the team was careful with Dak as a rusher last season, he hopes to see him running more in 2022. Uh, two questions. Do you believe Mike McCarthy here? Uh, noted truth teller Mike McCarthy, uh, or will you ch- and will you change your quarterback rankings as a result of this? So Dak was one of the guys I got wrong last year. Not that he was horrible, but I was aggressive drafting him, and it was simply too high coming off the major surgery. I believe it was an Ed Warder tweet that uh, Prescott had a career low seven runs for first downs last year. Thirty three quarterbacks had more. Dak had 20-plus in each of his first three seasons. I mean, that's just a quick and dirty stat of a guy that simply did not use his legs as he has in the past coming off such a major injury. So, yeah, one year removed. If he's saying this, then sure, what's, I, I believe that he will run more than he did last year, which would be a nice boost to his, uh, to his fantasy value because he was like clockwork getting six rushing scores each year, and last yep. year that's down to one. That's like passing uh, eight fewer touchdowns, you know, in most scoring formats. So uh, it's a big difference there. So, yeah, so this is definitely nice news if you're, if you're after Dak Prescott this year that he's planning on running more. Huge difference, like you mentioned. Um, his first two seasons, literally identical, 56 carries, six rushing touchdowns. 2018, 75 carries, six rushing touchdowns. 52 f- for three uh, in 2019. Obviously, then he gets injured, but had three rushing scores in just five games in 2020. So that's the big thing. I like... I don't really care if he runs, you know, between the 20s, but I want him to be more of a threat around the goal line. That is a needle mover to me. It is interesting, like you said, too, the the first down numbers as well. 48 carries last year, just seven first downs uh, compared to, again, you know, over 20 on those first downs with relatively the same amount uh, of carries. I mean, 57 his first two years, 48 last year, 52. The outlier number is the 2018 number where he ran 75 times. So if we get him over 50 and he's rushing in like money situations like the red zone, like on third down, you know, that is, I I do think that is a needle mover for Dak because it was something that was missing from his game last year. Also a career low three yards per carry last year. It just really was, not part of the part of the game plan and I feel like this offense too maybe we can talk more about it um when we get to that section of of the mistakes but I feel like this offense right now obviously CeeDee Lamb I think is is a potential superstar like I think he can make the leap to being a top 10 receiver this year but beyond CeeDee Lamb 
they really kind of lack dynamism. I know everybody thinks like Tony Pollard is a really dynamic player. We'll see. He's, he's one of the 50 running backs that's getting work as a slot receiver in, in OTAs or whatever. Uh, don't really care about that, but having Prescott run more, if he's still that athletic guy, uh, you know, a year removed from not just the ACL injury and, and all, all that, or the ankle injury that went down in 2020, but also injured his calf or whatever it was part partway through last year. Getting farther removed from that, if he still has that athleticism, it can only help this offense. Yeah, and it may be totally necessary, too, with a more depleted Dallas offense that we're used to. Uh, yes, maybe Zeke uh, was just the injury last year, and he recovers. He's back to his old self. But probably more likely, you know, 26 years old, he could be dust now. And Michael Gallup won't be ready right away. No Amari Cooper. So they may need more more Dak Prescott offense himself, creating on, on his own. So, uh, yeah, it's a, an interesting situation in Dallas. But um, uh, And CeeDee Lamb is a guy. I was another guy in Dallas. I was, I was too high on. I, I was on Zeke last year. I was on CeeDee Lamb. But he's a guy that I'm going to be back on again, and it's just setting up so well for him. And it's it's hard to deny that. It's really hard to deny that. Yeah, let's let's talk more Cowboys when we get to that point. Um, but let's move into kind of the mistakes that we made uh, in 2021. First, though, I do want to focus on kind of a topic that I think is really important because uh, you know the draft is the thing that we focus on so much right like we focus on building these teams in in the offseason and then you know you send out your little screenshots after your draft look at me look at how good my team is that's awesome we all know that that team is going to hit chaos and go to hell you know pretty quickly right like the team that you draft is never the team that you finish with you have to pivot after that and I feel like we don't talk about that enough it's one thing to make a mistake in the draft but at some point you have to move on from that. You know, you don't want to die on bad take Hill. So I think the question here, Dalton is at what point of the season, how early or how late into a season do you kind of let go of a bad take that you had or a guy that you were too high on and it's clearly not happening first. When is the right time to pivot? And then I also want to talk about, you know, what do you need to see like to keep the faith or whatever? I don't have a great answer because to me, it's just very specific here. So like fantasy baseball, you can just be very patient. It's six months. It takes forever. You can look at a lot of underlying stats and see if this guy's been unlucky or is he just been maybe he's hiding injury. He's been bad football. It's a little bit. It's a lot different. You know, it's so much noise. It's not a series of one on one events. So, yeah, I don't have a great like encompassing answer here, but maybe like our Ayuk example, if he's yes, the targets just example. weren't the targets just weren't there right away. It was like, uh oh, you know, it's like maybe we did misevaluate here and the coaches, the coach was also saying you know he didn't show up with the right or whatever there was that too so in that specific example maybe I should have been more impatient and been like oh I'm wrong here and I was stubborn about it but um in general yeah you go look at the the other targets would be a good example I guess so not just the production but the underlying metrics you can try to find to see if it's been a luck issue or it's been a uh uh-oh we just misevaluated it and he's just completely different than I anticipated issue yeah I do want to talk about Ayuk specifically because I I actually think he provides a really almost like too exaggerated, like a, a funhouse mirror version of this discussion, like where we can have the example of when to pivot because it was such a weird and unique situation. But even before, like perfect example of a guy I would, I kept the faith on and never like let go of despite people, you know, in my, in my mentions, you know, email, whatever, like what the hell you hyped up AJ Brown, like before the season. And, and it's just not there. It's like, okay, well, number one, he's, he's injured. You got to keep that in mind. But also like, this was a guy like, First of all, for me, these conversations have to be centered around, do we know the player is good? 
Ayuk was a little more difficult because he was like a, a year one to year two projection. You were projecting that leap, but like we knew coming into last season, like, and we still know it. AJ Brown's one of the 10 best receivers in football. I think like he's a verifiably great receiver. And that guy was seeing a large target share in his own offense. So it's like when he's healthy, when he's out there, you know, even like his first game back, he saw like seven targets against the Jaguars, led the team, whatever, but he had like 40 something yards. I don't care about that. Like I'm, I'm not going to pivot off of a guy when the underlying metrics, like you said, are there. And he's, ver- he's a verifiably good player. Like we knew AJ Brown wasn't going to play himself out of a job or something like that. Right. So that's an example of even in the first few weeks, if a guy is seeing the volume, like we in this house, we do not panic about great receivers seeing volume. Okay. Like that's number one. And then number two, I do think that if it's around week four and you're still kind of hanging on to that, like, pre-draft evaluation of, of a situation or a player like buddy things you know, you've already lost like a four, almost a fourth of the season you know at that point so that's like kind of the time where I think you need to adjust to a new reality until new information presents itself yeah and just like I said look at more so opportunities than production I guess there too when evaluating this because it's not necessarily just the box score but it's also you know, the opportunities matter so much in football. So look at the underlying stuff, the whopper and the, and the targets, just, just targets and stuff, stuff like that. But again, this is just case by case basis, honestly, for me here for, for football. It is very case by case basis. And, and obviously for me, one of those cases was I was really high on Brandon Ayuk. And I think he, he puts a pretty good example, you know, pen to paper here for what we're talking about. Cause like you mentioned, not only was he not getting targets, he was really barely playing like only one game in the first seven weeks, did he play more than 71% of the snaps? And that was in week three where he did see six targets and scored a touchdown. Like, I mean, the guy wasn't even out there. So that was one example where, you know, it and it was tough too, because we got that like week three signal, like, oh, six targets. Like he's, he's playing, he scored a touchdown. Like maybe we can trust him again. And then it went back to like, three targets, four targets, one target during that Sunday night football game against the Colts where Chris Collinsworth was uh, saying that they need this guy to get grinding or whatever. Uh, So he was a tough example in that way. But that was one where I was telling people like right away after week one, hey, you need to kind of you you need we, we need to like put him on the bench until we see something legit. And then to the point, too, that like once new information arrives, and this is something I say all the time is like, you can be right and wrong about a player within the course of one season. And I think Ayuk was kind right, of, yes, yeah. kind of that guy, right? Because then by week eight, he's playing 88% of the snaps against the bears and seeing seven targets. And, you know, the coaches are talking about, wow, you know, he's, he's blocking his ass off. He's playing. He, we're really happy with him or whatever. And then he was a, a top 20 receiver to finish the season. So that's another thing too, is when, with these like pivoting off of these bad draft takes or whatever, once you start to see new signal, new information, then it's like, okay, I, I can get back in on, on this, but you need to see like those underlying metrics. Yeah, I think it's worthwhile looking back and seeing what, what mistakes we made and you know what we should do differently in the future, you know, taking a rookie tight end too high, we'll talk about. But um, it, it can really, it's, it's also tough though. Because so I think we were unequivocally were wrong about Brandon Ayuk ranking him high. He had eight targets in, in September. Uh, we were we were not right where we were drafting him, you, you and myself. Having said that, if Debo gets in, his second half was fine, uh, Ayuk. I think Ayuk's going to have a great future ahead of him. What if Debo gets injured um, last year? 
Lance was the most fantasy points per drop back last year. And it's been revealed that he hurt that his finger injury was like a major issue with his throwing. He could have seen half the starts or all the starts and that would have changed everything. So, so many variables could have changed. And we're looking back at that. um, That would have affected affected things greatly. So it's a worthwhile exercise. But as you said, you could be very wrong and then very right in uh, the second half of the season on the same player. Yeah, and the Ayuk thing was so tough because we we had no idea prior to week one that he was in the doghouse or anything like that. Like, none of that was reported. None of that was really out there. So um, Yeah, I'm a Niners fan, is... and I follow all their beat reporters closely, and there was no, like, Trey Sermon hate. It was it was really weird. No. It, was, it, yeah, was it was really very, weird. Very the, weird. They keep – when the Niners make trades, you don't hear about it till after it's happened. I know there's a lot of speculation with the Niners, but they actually are pretty in-house. They, they do keep – no one knew they were taking Lance until it was said at the yep. podium. So, anyway. Yeah, no, they they don't let a lot of stuff out. So I actually don't like we can move now into specific mistakes. I the first one, obviously, for me was I don't regret being high on Brandon. Ayuk. I don't regret it at all because I still believe in the player. I believe he showed who he was in the second half of the season. And like, again, if we had gotten one report that like this guy might see, see <laughs> we'll play it like a zero percent role in week one, like I would not have told you to draft him in the sixth, seventh round or whatever. Like, so that's that's one thing there. But the thing that I do regret is being so bullish on Ayuk over Debo Samuel. I the thing I regret is not just taking Debo Samuel's t- clearly like at this point now you go back and look at his rookie season, extremely promising rookie season, looks really really good in basically any metric that you want to look at. And then in 2020 he played such a weird role, you know, his A dot was like 2 or something like that. They basically just I don't even know what they were doing with him. Clearly, he just wasn't healthy. That's the thing I regret is not just taking that 2020 season and just throwing it in the trash. Yeah, I did not see him get it was such a unique season, though. Who who kids the, the rushing attempts from the wide receiver position? It was so difficult not only to see that coming, but also for him to stay healthy through that. That's why I think this contract negotiation is becoming clearer. They drafted a rookie running back in the third round. Supposedly, that was an olive branch for, for Debo. They will not ask him to carry the ball as much. So I, I just am skeptical he they can repeat such a uh, even ask him yeah, to I do the it. same thing, let alone can he accomplish it. So it's tough to be like, we didn't see that coming from, from Debo and blame ourselves. But but he was the alpha, no question about it. And, 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 and Ayuk took a major backseat. But like I said, it, it took a lot of the, the beat writers by surprise too. It was really tough to see. I mean, I mean it's tough to see coming. But I, I'm with you. I was uh, way too too low on Debo. The guy's a monster. And man, I hope he can stay healthy and, and come even close to, to, to do, repeating what he did last year. Because that was a special season. That is one too where, you know, for example, like this year, I'm kind of torn on what to do about Jerry Judy is like a good example of a guy that like, man, I I think when you watch him in 2021, he just wasn't very good. He was like average as a separator. He wasn't, he doesn't stand out, but his rookie season was pretty promising, right? Do I do this? Do I make the same mistake here? And like, downgrade jerry judy or do i just believe in what i saw as a rookie and kind of toss last season into the trash like this is something where i I made that mistake last year and now i'm kind of waffling on guys going forward like what to do with like it's not quite the same as like injury optimism because i think injury optimism is a bad idea within the course of one season but do i do i give jerry judy a pass do i give other like like i probably should have given debo samuel a pass last year that's sort of where i'm I'm struggling this year is obviously it was a mistake in 2021 with Debo, but where's the line to not make the same mistake again with other guys? Yeah, I'm giving Judy a pass because of the high ankle sprain, but I'm still finding the Denver passenger situation so difficult to rank Me too. in the 10 games together last year, Judy 5.6 targets, 
Patrick five targets and Sutton 3.8. I know there's a new quarterback here, but I mean, Patrick is, is, is definitely going to be involved. They have the rookie tight end to go along with Alberto. So I don't know how to rank those guys. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm giving Judy a pass based on the high ankle sprain. But you're right. Um, yeah, sometimes players are playing with, but at 60%. So, you know, you just throw that grade completely out of the trash or what. But he's that, that, the whole Denver passing situation is certainly a tough one for me as well. Yeah, I was like basically not drafting any of them last year. I, I haven't really been gravitated to any of them at cost. Now, Denver was 27th in plays run last year. Like, I think they will probably be higher than that this year uh, just because they have a quarterback who can actually keep drives alive, stuff like that. So I think some – but but it's going to be tough to project out these targets. So, yeah, that's just one in general where I'm, I'm struggling with how to do it. All right, let's move on to – we've talked so much about me and how I screwed up. Let's talk about one of your mistakes here, Dalton. Um, you hit me with one of yours from last year. Sure. I was too low on Jamar Chase. In general, I'll take the L on, on being too low on these rookie receivers. I mean, Waddle, I'm on St. Brown. Ross St. Brown did not have uh, high enough. But Chase, I say I was dumb, and I overreacted to the drops in the preseason. I mean, just so silly – in hindsight, um, I, I will defend myself saying, you know, Joe Burrow recovering from major surgery. Chase didn't even play uh, a whole, it'd been two years yep. since he had played. Um, there's T. Higgins target competition, a tough defensive division facing the Ravens, uh, Steelers and Browns. Uh, for a good portion of your schedule, but man, he, he was, he was awesome. He was ridiculous. He's going to be a top five overall pick this year in some drafts. So I was just far too low on Jamar Chase. I should have, uh, I'm not a college guy. So, you know, I just, I just treated him like, I didn't, uh, you know, treat him uh, like a special uh, prospect. Like he clearly is. I mean, maybe some of that stuff's not repeatable. Even Burroughs talking about how they're going to face more, more high twos this year. So maybe move Boyd up your ranks, but um, the, the big plays may disappear or maybe, maybe not quite as frequently like the chiefs we saw last year, but Jamar Chase is awesome. I was way too low on him. Don't even want to look where I had him rank. Cause I know it was, uh, it was, it was far, far too low. And the guy's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, he was consensus like wide receiver 25, like at highest, I think. So whatever, you know, I mean, obviously lo- nobody was as high as they should have been on him, but the question again, spinning it forward is we kind of have like, um, we kind of have a similar situation this year. I, I'm not going to call it a similar situation, but we have a rookie receiver in Traylon Burks. Who's like not practicing at all because of like, or missing practices because he has asthma. asthma and like, yeah. I guess you could put it in the bucket of like, it's a weird off season headline. I am, I do. I am worried about Traylon Burks as a player much more. Like, I don't think him and Jamar chase are even close to comparable. They didn't play they basically didn't even play the same position in college. So, you know, forget about that. Like Traylon Burks is in this weird little gadgety role, despite his size. And despite like, he has got a couple highlights making big contested catches on the outside, you know, whereas like Jamar chase was a pure X receiver running against press coverage on a ton of routes, like playing legitimate wide receiver. Traylon Burks is not. I also think even those like the off season headlines, like people are already starting to kind of equate it as, Oh, Traylon Burks's asthma is the same as Jamar chase's drops it's not the same thing when you're missing practice time. There's a difference between that versus like you're out there and beat reporters are saying you can't separate or, or whatever, which was the chase thing, which was as dumb as the drop stuff. I have seen Burks compared to Chenault as far as the gadgets, as far as uh, yes. college, how he was used, but certainly don't want to say he's going to be the same pro. But having said that, both in Tennessee and Atlanta with London, they're both really good situations to immediately see a lot of targets. So can these rookie yes. receivers again be highly productive? And, and we as a community underrating them because, yeah, both are, you know, I have a you know, mid-30s types where I had Chase last year or maybe even lower. But um, I don't know if they have that kind of upside. Like Burks is not the prospect, as you said. But, yeah, a couple of rookie receivers are, are, in, are in line to, to certainly 
SEC, nice opportunity right away. Staying in Atlanta, you said that you were too high on Kyle Pitts. He was still a, a reasonable starting tight end. He obviously just didn't score a lot of touchdowns. The Falcons did not score a lot of touchdowns last year. How many touchdowns are they going to score with like Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter at quarterback this year? So are you buying all the way back in on Kyle Pitts this year? Because there is no, there's like no discount on uh, the one touchdown from last year. Yeah, I was reaching for Pitts at men's and NFC leagues, fourth round, third round. Nothing was too high for me. I was all in. Obviously, it was a mistake. I'll say it's, it's an interesting one. I was not wrong about Kyle Pitts, the player. Here's some yeah, stats. Awesome. Uh, here's some stats. Yards per route run versus man. He ranks sixth in between Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. The list of players who recorded more than 1,000 receiving yards in a season before turning 22, it's Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Randy Moss, Amari Cooper, and Kyle Pitts. They're all receivers, and he's the other tight end. The best wide receiver on outside routes last year, Number one, Kyle Pitts got the most yards per route run ahead of Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson, and Devontae Adams. So, I mean, it's just wild. His future is going to be amazing. Hall of Fame level type start to the year. But in fantasy, I think it was like the 11th most fantasy points per game from tight end. It was a horribly bad pick from a, from a fourth, fourth round pick. A total wasted pick. Awful. A bust. So, yeah, it was a mistake. And maybe the takeaway here is, historically, I should have paid attention to the tight end position. It's just very, very difficult. And I think Ditka is like the best. And um, maybe Jeremy Shockey had eight touchdowns or something. But basically, the tight end position is the most difficult to translate to from college. And uh, if Kyle Pitts can't do it, uh, frankly, no one can. Especially in a situation when Calvin Ridley misses the whole second half, which I would have loved, by the way. It would have just increased opportunity if you had asked me as a Kyle Pitts manager, would I have rather Ridley there or not? I would have said, no, have him go away. Uh, and that didn't help. If anything, it hurt. So uh, I think the lesson here is this. Yeah, tight end, rookie tight ends, uh, maybe don't be as aggressive as I was. I mean, I guess, man, but like he saw 110 targets in 17 games and went over a thousand yards. Like if he scores five touchdowns or something like and we know touchdowns are just weird and, and can be fluky, you know, 9.3 yards per target. Like I think the 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 take is just like, hey, it happens with touchdowns, especially. Okay. Right. Like, I don't know. I don't I don't know that you can beat yourself up about the tra the tight end translation there, because I think you were right about the fact that and folks that called him a unicorn like that was true all of the stats that you read off about him as like a wide receiver and i'm saying i'm saying this now and i'm still i'm not i'm not I'm not charting tight ends like so leave <laughs> don't come in my mentions about that for everything i'm about to say just forget it i mean all those stats like producing like a wide receiver on outside routes that's the type of stuff that people thought he was going to do that's the type of stuff that made him like a quote unicorn prospect so I just feel like the touchdown luck, if you got a little, like, again, he scores five touchdowns. We're having a total, totally different conversation. You know what? I take it back. I was right on pits. You're right. I take it back. <laughs> it was not a mistake drafting him aggressively, and I'd do it again. Yeah, no, I'm in on pits for sure this year, too. I know the producer asked the question. Oh, yeah, of course. Going back to the well with him. All those stats, I mean, playing indoors. I don't love the quarterback situation there. It really looks like we might get a lot of Ritter. Um, but, um, but man, the targets will be there and he's just a beast. So yes, I, I, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't fault anyone for taking Pitts th as the first tight end off the board this year. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even question it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I don't think we'll ever get like, um, a, any sort of, like I said, ADP discount on, uh, Kyle. Oh, right. Pitts. I not, saw someone not... say, yeah, he could fail again. And then again, next year people will be in and I would be right there at the top <laughs> of the list too. I'll, I'll be guilty of it myself.
yeah, when the Falcons score the fewest touchdowns in the league and, and he gets like three touchdowns again next year, it'd be like 2023 is the year that Kyle Pitts yeah. scores T- like eight touchdowns yeah. or something. The so. TD regression's coming all at once. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. All right. Well, one situation where like there's no silver lining. I was just completely, totally, absolutely wrong. I, I was wrong to just not outright avoid the Bears Matt Nagy chaos. Um, I was way too high on Allen Robinson last year, way too high on Justin Fields. And I want to have a separate conversation about like young mobile quarterbacks next, but sticking on the Bears specifically, I kind of think this is a situation where I want to be better about team vibes almost because as much as I like Justin Fields as a prospect, obviously everybody knows I love Allen Robinson and, and, you know, I had for years said through gritted teeth, you know, Andy Dalton is the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with Nick Foles, best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with, like kept moving that line there. Even if it's true, these guys are better than Blake Bortles and all these other goofballs. The bears had run out there. I, I, I think that, I got really excited about fields and like his ability as a downfield passer paired with Allen Robinson, like a guy who had been kind of kept captive with Mitchell Trubisky as more of a short area receiver, but could be unleashed as a downfield guy with fields. I talked myself into all that when it was so clear going into the year, like these guys, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were obviously going to get fired at the end of the year. Like what scenario could they have saved their jobs in? I have no idea. The, the, the Matt Nagy, you know, just out there having Allen Robinson run a bunch of slant and curl routes, Darnell Mooney, a speed receiver, having him run a bunch of flat routes and slant routes. You know, nobody loves quick game like Matt Nagy. So why do you trade up for a quarterback like Justin Fields, who's a vertical passer it was just so many things that didn't fit together. Like the timeline of a rookie quarterback doesn't fit with the, uh, a, a coach who's about to get fired. Allen Robinson's pissed about his contract and that they franchise tagged him. I just kind of ignored all of those negative vibes and still was really in on drafting fields as a quarterback too, despite the fact that it was clear the coaching staff didn't even want to play him, which makes no sense too. So I don't know, man, I, this is a situation where the vibes were bad. That was clear. I should have put more credence into that as opposed to projecting out like these guys' skill sets together and how that would have fit in a hypothetical world without Matt Nagy. I'm with you that coaching and infrastructure matters a lot, and I've tried to implement that more in my uh, fantasy football analysis the last few years for sure. But I will uh, counter and say I don't think you were off base by taking the the young. I see in the outline you said drafting young QBs uh, who run too early last year. I just think you know Fields, as you said really really awful nut low coaching situation and I mean Trey Lance just never even got the opportunity historically the last few years I mean Jalen Hurts uh, 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 Lamar Jackson those have been the league winners that have gone later in drafts when they're they're young Josh Allen too so and then this year I think Lance is just still ranked too low although he's definitely creeping up there and even um, and even Fields and Daniel Jones the guys Daniel Jones is is a sneaky runner Um, guys with legs young guys I do think they are underrated and I don't care if the rookie I think if Will if Willis got a chance uh, immediately this year he could be a top 10 fantasy QB right away because his rushing ability and I'd rather stack him obviously stepping in super flex leagues but I'd rather stash an upside guy like him than uh, you know a Carson Wentz so I I disagree with your, your premise I think go after these 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 young QBs who run I think it's fine just last year just happened to not work I mean Trey Lance was the number one in fantasy points per dropback some of that is because he was situationally put in in the red zone but the dude had 15 rushing attempts as one started playing with a bro- broken finger had Jimmy Garoppolo gotten hurt like he did in the postseason and he does every other year you wouldn't have been like <laughs> oh I wish we you know Trey Lance would have been a prophet 
Yeah, I think the the problem is though, and and this also comes back to the coaching part of it too. Kyle Shanahan made it pretty clear they were going to play Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, made it pretty clear that they were going to start this guy over Trey Lance. And I feel like the fantasy community as a whole was like, nah, Trey Lance will get out there. Like, it'll it'll work out. Same thing with Matt Nagy and Andy Dalton. Like, I, I think if Andy Dalton never got hurt in, you know, week whatever it was, it was like week two, right? He ended up getting hurt. So Fields started in week three. I think they would have started. I think Matt Nagy would have started Andy Dalton for like half the season, maybe even more, because that was the guy that, he wanted to like run his offense, the quick game type of crap, like I mentioned earlier. So I do think that's part of it too. Is is just I'll these, counter. Like, hold on, hold coaches. on, hold on. Kyle Shanahan recently is saying he was one more loss away from from giving up the last season. They were three and five, three or six, or whatever. <laughs> they when they uh, up they blew out the Rams on Monday night unexpectedly. He was going to have yeah. Aaron Bank, Aaron Banks take over and right guard and and move to Lance. He was saying they were looking to the future. He, I mean, maybe that's. I don't know, maybe, but he's saying that they were one or two games away from turning to look to the future, and they went on that big run to end the year. So it's, a lot of it is just variables that we no one can yeah. predict midseason. I mean, but I hear you with the coaching, but a lot of it's coach talk, and you got to decipher who to believe and who not. To, it just becomes a difficult game. Yeah, I do think it just like I personally, I know I'll just speak for me personally. Like I thought there was a chance right up until kind of mid-August that oh Trey Lance could start week one like he could just he could play himself into this role or but that was never that was never part of like the range of outcomes all along it seemed like so I think that's kind of the one thing I don't know how translatable that is for for future situations like there's been there's nobody out there that like thinks Malik Willis is going to take Ryan Tannehill's job or something like that you know um so I, I think just sometimes like we do even if they're wrong like I think Kyle Shanahan was probably right to sit Trey Lance all last year I think Matt Nagy, on the other hand, was kind of wrong to like go down with the Andy Dalton ship. Whether they're right or wrong, like it is worth believing these uh, coaches. You mentioned uh, just like this this whole idea of overvaluing young mobile quarterbacks. I'm I'm probably not going to learn from that mistake. Like you said, it's it's still probably the right decision to make. But I do wonder if like veteran pocket passers, for example. Um, this coming year, you know, guys like Kirk Cousins seem really appealing in fantasy. Guys like Derek Carr seem really appealing in fantasy. And these are these are the guys that usually it's like, all right, give me whoever runs. Oh, give me whoever, anyone, anybody that runs over these guys. And I think for the most part, you know, that's going to be true this year. But a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who had the same amount of rush attempts in more starts, but same amount of rush attempts as a guy like Justin Fields last year. They were both over 70. I'm not going to just elevate Lawrence over these guys because they're in much better situations, much better ecosystems. And I want to want, even if Trevor Lawrence runs, I'm going to still want to see it from him before elevating over guys like Derek Carr or or even Kirk Cousins, maybe. Uh, Yeah. Cousins is uh, his ECR is the quarterback 15 right now. And I think there's underrating the coaching upgrade uh, he's going to see in Minnesota. Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, I'll give you another one I got wrong here, though, to move on here. And I was just yes. way too low on Austin Eckler, um, mm. Yahoo guy. Uh, it's I'm gonna get your own your the- own colleague, I man. Know. How could <laughs> I know? I know. I'm gonna get punished in the fantasy pros uh, ranking system, uh, grading system too, because uh, he finished what was a top three back last year. He suffered a hamstring injury right before the season. And, you know, that's that's what really worried me. Um, But, man, the touchdowns, he had three touchdowns 
the year before that jumps to 20 on just 206 carries. Uh, it does help to be getting all those targets from Justin Herbert. Uh, I was wrong to doubt you, Eckler. You fought through that hamstring injury and and were awesome. Big, big profit. So um, I guess I overrated the the preseason injury there, but um, but I don't wouldn't really count on him repeating that touchdown production given those touches. But uh, what an impressive year. He he definitely made me look foolish. Yeah. Eckler is interesting. Obviously leads the NFL 20 combined touchdowns last year. Goes over 1500 yards from scrimmage for the second time in three years. The only reason he didn't do it the year before that was injury. So uh, I I'm back. I'm very much in on Austin Eckler. I think that this, the one thing that's different, I think from the current version of Eckler and like the two years ago version of Eckler is like, the Anthony Lynn coaching staff always wanted this like banger back, you know, and, and to bring it to the, like Deandre Swift too, even last year, like I was, so, when, remember the headline went around where, you know, he called like Jamal Williams, the one a back or whatever Anthony Lynn right. did because he clearly wants like this banger guy, as opposed to just the pass catcher to be a feature feature player. Then Anthony Lynn gets pushed aside in Detroit, and then DeAndre Swift is kind of unlocked as a pass catcher. And with Austin Eckler last year, I think this coaching staff was like, we don't care about Austin Eckler's frame and, and like having him, you know, be complimented by some some goofball like Josh Kelly or whatever, Larry Roundtree, all these guys there. Like, we can get Austin Eckler big time touchdown production because we can throw to him in the red zone. Like, we don't just have to bang him up in between the tackles or whatever. So, I don't know, man. I I think I'm I'm not. Maybe he doesn't score twenty touchdowns again, but I don't really have any questions about Eckler because of this coaching staff going forward. If they keep him the goal line guy, yeah, he absolutely – I mean, maybe not 20 again, but, yeah, he's going to score a lot of touchdowns again, and that was a concern with his frame. I mean, Isaiah Spiller, I mean, he's there, but really, I mean, I, I think Eckler uh, – yeah, I hear you. Even on the the lack of uh, volume compared to the other early backs, um, he's he's a top-five guy. But, um, yeah, definitely proved me wrong last year, but I'll, uh, I'll be ranking him appropriately this year. Yeah, for sure, and I, I will be ranking DeAndre Swift appropriately this year. Um, mm -hmm. I'm I'm very excited about him, and again, this coaching staff, these guys who you know, as much as Dan Campbell's like, you know, a man's man or whatever, you know, he he's pretty progressive as an offensive mind. We saw that down the stretch last year, and I think Swift being featured uh, as a pass catcher is much much more important than whatever he produces as a rusher. Uh, even though I don't think he's quite quite there just yet but we'll I think we'll get there and, and I'm not I'm not going to be overly concerned about that this year let's stay on running backs here and talk about another um another one of our favorites here Ronald Jones over Leonard Fournette you had these guys uh flipped last year uh what went wrong Dalton yeah, I was happy to get Ronald Jones often ahead of, of Fournette. I believe his ADP was ahead of Fournette, even though it's so yeah. obvious in hindsight. We saw Leonard in the playoffs, the most you know, important time. You know, he he dominated the playing time. Brady loves him. Uh, Fournette. Not only did I get it wrong, just just it was just laughably wrong. Ronald Jones, I believe, fumbled immediately in that Thursday night game. I even yeah. uh, te <laughs> I, I even texted, texted you. you yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 Fournette proceeded to lead the league in high value touches. I mean, it's just comically wrong. I mean, if a league winning passing over a league winning pick for just a, a guy who was immediately benched after yet another fumble so yeah I mean I just continuously fall for, for Ronald Jones's upside with the ball in his hands yes he's a really good runner you look at the rush yards over expectations but all the little parts of his game are so bad and he's just useless as a receiver and Fournette you know former uh, early draft pick you know maybe doesn't look like uh, great in shape right now but he certainly got it done and was uh, absolutely a quote-unquote league winner pick last year I mean where he was going in drafts and he finished with the fourth most fancy points per game in PPR. 
Yeah, I felt pretty good uh, going back like to look at my rankings for this exercise. I had Leonard Fournette at 30, running back 31. Obviously, should have been higher, of course, but felt good that I had him at 31 and Ronald Jones at, like buried at 43, like well two done. separate tiers completely. So felt good about that. How do you feel about Ronald Jones this year? Uh, any 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 interest or now that Jarek McKinnon, we didn't talk about this, is sort of relevant-ish news, like Jarek McKinnon re-signs with the Chiefs. Does that move the needle at all for like Clyde Edwards Alaire and or like I, I did have this horrible vision, Dalton, the last couple of days where like I can just see Ronald Jones scoring like seven touchdowns for the Chiefs while CEH scores like two. I just very possible. Yeah, yeah. Daryl Williams, I think, approached 10 touchdowns last year, and he's going to replace the big back role. Jarek McKinnon signing absolutely hurt CEH. McKinnon, speaking of trusted backs in the playoffs, that's who they trusted yeah. last year was Jets. So I think it absolutely hurt CEH, and uh, I think uh, Ronald Jones will be the big back role who um, could, could easily run into eight to 10 touchdowns. But fantasy-wise, I mean, he would have to come at a discount. There are three guys there, and he's just so useless in PPR. Yeah. But obviously a Chiefs big back with Mahomes there, uh, it's not the worst situation for Ronald Jones to revitalize his career. I mean, if he became the feature back there, sure, he could be a monster. But, yeah, I fall for it every year. I'm going to attempt not to again. You're going to attempt to. But um, if there was a situation I, I, to lure, lure me back in, yes, it's the it's Patrick Mahomes' big back. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, there's certainly upside. Yeah, it's not quite the same as like when James Conner went to Arizona. It was like, oh, he was going to be the goal line back. I, I wish I could wish I had been higher on James Conner going into drafts um, last year. I did think he was a good trade target early in the season. I remember talking about that, but I wish I'd been higher on him going into drafts, like because he was going to score touchdowns for this team. Like he, they were never going to trust Chase Edmonds in that role. And I kind of feel the I kind of felt the same way as I was thinking about this the other day of like, well, they're never going to trust Ceh around the goal line. He's just never been a goal line back. What if? what if they trust Ronald Jones around the goal line and he scores seven touchdowns? But the difference there is even in a scenario where CEH gets hurt, they're never going to use Ronald Jones as a full um, field running, like a full workhorse running back because he is useless as a receiver. Whereas James Conner like had that, had that in his profile previously. hundred yep, percent. All right. Let's go back to my mistakes here uh, before we finish off with the Cowboys. I legit, you know, going back and like I said, looking at my rankings, I there was nothing where I felt like other than the bear. I felt the bears won like really bad. I felt felt really bad about that one. The other one I felt really terrible about was I was like, oh, my God, my tight end rankings sucked. Not that there were like a ton of heroes at tight end. Uh, the, the guys that were expected to be good were good, right? Like Mark Andrews took a step forward, but still people knew Mark Andrews was going to be good. I was high on guys like, I mean, bro, freaking Tyler Higby at tight end seven, you know, Johnny Smith, tight end 12, Gerald Everett, tight end 13. And Gerald Everett at points looked like he was like shaving points for the, for the Seahawks. <laughs> and I know because I started him that one time he fumbled like three times around the goal line and I got 1.7 points out of him. So that was t- a tough scene for me. I don't know. What, what's the takeaway here? Higby is the most like – Johnu Smith and, and Gerald Everett, it was kind of easy to let go of early on. Higby was the tough one because you go back and look at it like routes run were there. Playing time was there. Obviously, the offense was great. You wanted to be invested in the Rams offense, but he was just like not a needle mover in fantasy at any point during the year. 
every year I talk myself into tight end position being deeper than usual. And every year I end up being proven wrong. I could easily do it again this year. Um, I, I was uh, certainly not great myself last year. I mentioned Kyle Pitts, uh, but also Darren Waller. I was drafting him in the back end of round two in some yeah. leagues and 19 targets after week one and PPR. Oh, yeah, I, was, I, was I was feeling <laughs> smart, man. I was patting myself on the back and that certainly went downhill from there. So tight end position remains uh, tricky. And uh, yeah, I, I certainly can't uh, say that I got it right. I mean, Kyle Pitts and, and Waller were, were two of the bigger reasons uh, for my lack of success in fantasy football last year. Yeah, and I'm looking at ADP right now, and I'm I'm definitely talking myself into like Dawson Knox though this year. I'm I'm very very. That was one guy last year where I remember like week three, being idiot 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 idiot. How was I sitting here drafting Gerald Everett and Johnu Smith on those teams while not getting gassed up about like an athletic guy like Dawson Knox with a clear depth chart in front of him? This that he's a guy this year that I do think, man, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited about him this year. Yeah, me too. I think his touchdowns will, will be there. Like I said, I could talk myself into a few upsides. I didn't, Albert O and uh, yeah, I know there's a uh, Friar Muth, Komet, there, Irv Smith returning. Uh, oh, yeah, there's boy. again, I could talk myself into some sleeper tight ends, but they perennially uh, disappoint. It's a tough position. It is a very tough position. I can't wait to get it wrong again this year. All right, let's finish it off here with the Cowboys. You say you were too high on Zeke, Dak, Lamb. What went, what went wrong and how are you going to kind of pivot going into this year yeah we've talked about it i don't really there's not really a takeaway or a lesson to learn other than maybe i just uh, over underrated dak recover returning from injury or, or zeke elliott's age but i do know specifically in one league i drafted zeke over jonathan taylor right when that when the went situation was going on you know the quarterback situation there colts and boy i, I won't forget that one uh, i'm normally the guy going after the younger person uh, but i love the situation uh, that zeke was in uh, but that was a mistake i, I really no matter the situation it's going to be tough for me to take a running back 25 years or older uh with the top five pick moving forward I, I will say that takeaway but like i was too high on cd lamb whatever i'm gonna go back to the well air and be even higher this year and i think dak as we said earlier he'll go back to running so hopefully he'll he'll be fine too uh yeah i'm looking at my tiers i had zeke running back three in the first tier even like ahead of derrick henry jonathan taylor like you mentioned all of these guys let me tell you what though you do get you do get a nice nice discount on Zeke this year you like do. that you so I'm pretty tempted to buy back in on Zeke Elliott this year because you're not going anywhere close like to running back three type of territory and in an argument also for him is if they didn't bench him last year when he was playing with that injury with that lack of efficiency I mean they're never going to bench him so if he does stay <laughs> healthy in that situation I mean I'm all about I like Pollard you know and, and kind of getting uh, off Elliott but you're right the discount is so there uh, guys, he was going in the top five overall last year, and now it's just way, way you know, mid rounds uh, in that situation without Amari Cooper, too. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I could see it. I could see it. But boy, he, he burned me last year. And by the way, we're sitting here kicking ourselves. Zeke was running back six last year, like in, in, in by the end of the season. Yeah, what compile? Let's look at per game yeah. though. One, two, three. Five. I mean, I have to go all the way down there. He's right there with uh, Cordero Patterson, though. You know, in PPR, right. so it wasn't. He was not. He was a loss if you took him top five overall. That's another thing. Is trickily looking at that compiles and he does not. He was not helpful. He hurt you if you drafted Zeke last year. But then you look yeah. at it that way, and you're you, like, you oh, took it. In, 
he wasn't like a de- like total dead weight on your team, but he was never the the way the where you drafted him, he never like moved the needle. And and you passed up on guys like we're talking about, um, like a Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, players like that. Even, you know, I, I had him over Najee Harris. You certainly would have rather have taken Najee Harris over Zeke Elliott. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler. You would have rather had all of those guys. Even even Derrick Henry for the fact that Derrick Henry ends up obviously not finishing the season, only plays eight games, would have much re- like he would. Derrick Henry would have gotten you to a point that Zeke Elliott never would have gotten you. Yeah, totally fair. And uh, yeah, and Derrick Henry is still going to cost you a top ten pick now, whereas uh, Elliott is, is is absolutely not. So what 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 is Elliott's ECR right, right now? It is uh, eighteen. It's, running I, back eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. 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 And I don't. By the way, I don't. I don't buy the, the noise that like Tony Pollard is suddenly going to make this like a a one A one B. Like they might. They've just never shown any inclination to do that. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong on that this year, finally. But I don't know, man. I, I I do think it is interesting to take Zeke in like round four or wherever, wherever he ends up going. Yeah, they're talking about Pollard lining him up out wide, but it's just the, the the new coach speak uh, talking point is a running back playing wide out. But um, I hear you with Zeke. I was really down on him at the end of the season after getting burned, but just looking at the situation he, uh, on my rankings, he's creeping closer and closer to to running back eighteen. So yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> oh man what a nightmare and yeah cd lamb i mean there's no there's no adp discount on him you're gonna you're gonna have to like pay pay up for him you're gonna have to take him high i'm totally in on it i, I feel like the people are not giving enough credit that like not all and this is a point that came out of um i shouldn't say people obviously people are drafting him high but the cd lamb detractors or whatever those that are out there are not giving credit to that like amari cooper leaving is a huge point not just because the targets are vacated but cd lamb is now going to play that position that like flanker position that moves around pre-snap like he was mostly an x receiver to start the year and then when Gallup was healthy then they played him as the slot i don't think you want him being a slot receiver you want him to have inside outside versatility and having him in that flanker position and this is what mike mccarthy said he's playing in in uh, offseason otas whatever that i think is that's the bigger reason or it's like the icing on the cake. In addition to the fact that like a a receiver who's going to command some level of targets, like Amari Cooper is out the door, that vacated flanker position is a a much, much bigger for me personally, needle mover uh, than him playing in the slot or something like that. He's lamb is my wide receiver for, I predict by late August, he will be a late first round fantasy pick in most leagues. Yeah. And I think um, in, like bet MGM right now has him as like plus uh 2200 to lead the NFL in receiving yards. I like him as like a dark horse option. He's not a not the favorite or anything like that, but you know, we're talking about him competing for targets with Dalton Schultz. Like you're not throwing a Dalton Schultz is a nice tight end, but you're not throwing like a hundred, you're not throwing like 130 targets to Dalton Schultz. If you are, your offense probably stinks. Um, you know, Jalen Tolbert, I like, but uh, it, CeeDee Lamb could easily command like 150 plus targets this year and, and he could lead the NFL in receiving yards in that scenario. I, I got him not quite as good as 22 to one, but Lamb, I do have at 18 to one. And I also, I, I went one final thing before we go out. I got Allen Robinson at 50 to one. What if Cup went down, but now it looks like Beckham is eventually going to return there have you lowered tweaked any rankings there with the thought of Beckham coming back and do you like a Rob at 50 to one long shot dude I've, I've seen you know Edwin Porras a really good you know, medical guy I trust from fantasy points saying like you know Chris Godwin might return in October is like best case scenario Michael Gallup might return in like November best case scenario Beckham tore his ACL in the Super Bowl you know second time 
I think they will re-sign him, but by the time he's actually moving the needle in terms of like playing time, target distribution, et cetera, like this fantasy season could be over by the time that happens. So I no, I have I have not. I still remain very, very high on Allen Robinson. Although I like Van Jefferson. I still do like taking Van Jefferson as like a wide receiver insurance type of guy who I think is a pretty decent player. One more I have to add. I forgot. I got our guy Pittman, 45 to 1. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, let's go. Michael Pittman season. Is I'm already spending full, that full money. Effect. Yeah, I'm already yeah. spending Oh, that yeah, money. yeah. <laughs> Love to see it, man. All right, well, this was good. I, I did appreciate all of the unpacking uh, of mistakes and, and kind of spinning forward as well. That's going to do it for us this episode. Dalton, tell the people what you got going on out there. Follow me on Twitter at Dalton Dildon and go Dubs. Oh, well, of course, for you, uh, anything, Dalton. All right. Uh, while you're waiting to see results of the NBA Finals, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. And while you're there, of course, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Andy and Scott will be back to remember their mistakes early next week. This episode for us went just over 50 minutes. You know, for those two guys, it'll probably be like a two-hour episode. I'm kidding. Love them. Uh, they're the best. Anyways, all right. Let's before I Before I burn any more bridges, let's get out of here. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.